You are listening to the Rock and Gold Podcast. Welcome along to episode 7 of the Rock and Goal podcast, the official podcast of Dumbarton Football Club. My name is Fraser Clark and today I'm joined by Jack Crawford, but not Chris McMillan, who is at somewhere called Wembley Stadium to watch his beloved Blades. I've never heard of that particular stadium, but I obviously can't imagine it's a patch on here. I've been once. Is it nice? It was okay, before yeah. I got promoted, so it was alright. Yeah, Hopefully ne- he enjoys his day as much as I did. Never really heard of it, but anyway. <laughs> you don't tune in to listen to two local newspaper journalists, however, so later on we're delighted to say that we'll be joined by everyone's favourite member of this Suns squad. With apologies to all the players that I've obviously just offended there, Aaron Linus. And if you liked him before, then you'll want to listen to this. Anyway, we'll start as always by looking back on the last month or so, and we recorded our last podcast before Albion Rovers visited The Rock. Any memory of what happened that day, Jack? I remember I was sitting here before, bigging up a certain player that went on to tear us apart. Did he score two and set up two or three? Yep, yeah. did he score two and set up two? Yeah, Charlie Riley. Um, it was one of those games, you just couldn't believe what was happening in front of you. Every, every time Albion went forward that day, they looked like they were going to score. Um, the Dumbarton midfield was completely missing. Um, and to be honest, in the first half, Brett kept it from being any worse than what it was. I... Um I turned to Chris at one point, and I think it was in the first half still, when Albion had scored a couple of really, really good goals. And I was like, I'm, I'm actually, in a perverse way, kind of enjoying this, yeah. because they are so good. Like, they have been phenomenal to watch. And I think people might have listened to the podcast, and I know that people have had a wee bit of a kind of like a jokey dig at us for how much we bigged up Charlie Riley. That's, That's why. why. <laughs> <laughs> That's why. The guy has gone on to massive things, and I, I'm really excited to see where he ends up because he was he was excellent that day. Joe Bevan was absolutely outstanding mm-hmm. that day as well, and I think he's only 18, mm-hmm. which is a really quite terrifying thought. Um, one thing, if, we, if we're going to focus more on the Dumbarton side of things, is that I guess shows how much Dumbarton missed Gregor Buchanan. Yeah, that was the one thing. I think he was ill that day, wasn't he? We spoke about it before the game, and it proves how key he is. And when you look at the guys that came in, it's not exactly if they are. It's, not much of a downgrade, you would say. Um, that back four was still capable of doing much better than they did that day. And um, as I say, Brett kept us in it, not for the first time this season, and certainly in the game we're going to talk about later on as well. I was going to say we are that, and we are going to come on to that as a bit <laughs> of a theme a wee bit later on. Um, the sort of the missing of Gregory Cannon was something that uh, a certain program editor came up behind me and just muttered in my ear during the game. Well, you can see who your Player of the Year is, mm. and. It sort of got me thinking on Dumbarton's Player of the Year and I think Bucky would be up there. I think Aaron, who's obviously coming on the podcast, would be up there. Mm-hmm. I think Brett will be up there, who yeah. will touch on a fair bit with the clean sheet record. And maybe Calvin Orsay, Finley Gray, you could chuck in as well. Ryan but Blair. Ryan Blair mm-hmm. as Mr. the most underrated player yeah. in the squad, right. which is why I completely ignored him from that <laughs> bit. But not not to put you in an awkward situation, but if you were, if I was to put you on the spot right now, give you your ballot paper, who's getting your vote? I could say Linus, just because he's coming on the podcast later, but that'd be a bit of a... A cop out. Um, I'm like you. I kind of like the players that are under the 18, just do the ugly work and keep you and keep them back and think forward. So I think Ryan Blair would probably get my vote. The fact that he let, you know, he would sit there and let Dev and Finlay make all these attacking run. He would sit there and kind of tidy up the midfield and break up the play and just keep it simple. He's capable of a nice 40 yard crossfield pass, which is quite satisfying to see. But when when he knows it's not on, he'll just pass it to the side and let the boys go and play, and he'll be ready there if, if the other team come back at us and also the sort of player who is never going to win a Player of the Year award voted for by fans. <laughs> so, Ryan, if, if we do a podcast Player of the Year, which I have no idea we might do, 
there's at least sure. one vote for you and uh, we'll take our sort of unsung hero award if there was one one sort of positive on, uh, from that Albion Rovers game that I just want to kind of focus on it also came in midfield and that was Luca Vata or as I must mm. call him young Luca Vata <laughs> because uh, Luca's only 16 he doesn't turn 17 I think until next month he says searching through his mind and then trusting the website that of course got Finley Gray's <laughs> birthday wrong but yeah Luca being the first player to step up from the new academy system at 16 40 minutes he played in that Albion Rovers game obviously a, a difficult pitch and not a time that you want maybe to get thrown on mm. but that's going to do him the world of good yeah obviously he had the odd minute kind of minute or two in games before that coming on for the last five minutes to see a game out um, but that was the first time we'd really seen a proper kind of glimpse of him um, he kind of played like a young boy would I think um, he kept it safe he, he still looked for the ball but he'd get the ball and kind of pass it on um, I think if you've coming into a team that was maybe winning four or five one rather than losing four or five one, you'd see him be a wee bit more expressive than he would. But it's great to see him obviously still involved in the squad every match day. He has been for about six months now, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And turn of the year I think it was yeah. that he got called up. Yeah, so it's really good to see and obviously it's another wee another wee nod to the hat to uh, the guys at the the youth squads. Yeah, I mean, Declan Breeden played uh, in I think ten minutes at the end of the Rangers B game in right. August. I wasn't here for that. Thank God. But um <laughs> Uh, he played in that Luca's obviously playing and hopefully it's something that we see a wee bit more of I know Stevie Farrell's been very very keen on that sort of youth academy and building players you know Dumbarton are never going to be able to go out and buy players so if you're going to sort of build up your own that's that's a great way for a club like Dumbarton to do it and there's other clubs round about us I'm looking at Sterling where Ross McGeeky is obviously mm. their captain he's been there I think this is his 10th 11th season came through their sort of academy setup. I think Kyle Banner was the same so it's kind of when you're at a sort of lower level it can be a good way of getting in talented players potentially making a bit of money longer term on them but also just building that connection between the club and the kind of local community because fans that 5-1 game fans will have gone home pretty miserable but the one player who they wouldn't have said a bad word against would have been Luca yeah and, and, and the way Farrell's speaking about him as well he's got really high hopes for him um, from, you know, from what I understand he's going to be part of the squad next season as well um, what kind of contract and stuff we don't know yet but um, and if he's getting like your know, football in with these guys and what's been and being a 16 year old in the change room with guys like Greg Weld and stuff must be brilliant for him um, whatever side of the divide he is um, but being with those experienced guys he must be really pleased it'll be great for his development I saw John Gemmell's very much taking him under his wing <laughs> until he realised that he could quite comfortably be his son <laughs> the week after that I'll be in Rovers game uh, if that was a particular low point came uh, almost a high point in terms of I think as a footballing spectacle was the 2 all draw with Sterling Albion at 4th Bank and going into that I, I was feeling I think as we all were pretty down pretty mm-hmm. downbeat um, on the back of obviously losing 5-1 to a struggling team and Suns really stood up to be counted that day it was I've written in my notes for it probably the best game in terms of as a game of football to watch of the season it had action it had drama it was unpredictable I think both sets of teams left absolutely everything mm-hmm. out there and it had everything that you really would have wanted from a top of the table clash yeah if you're a neutral you'd have enjoyed that game obviously for as kind of want a certain result, you can you can never just enjoy it for that. You're always on edge. But as a neutral, you'd have enjoyed it. Um, I think for, from the Barton point of view, everything we went against Albion, we were against Sterling. Um, you know, up for every tackle, flying challenges. Um, of when we're allowed anyway, because the referee, I remember, liked a wee card or two. Um, it kind of set the tone early on. Um, but as you said, it was a kind of traditional top of the table clash. A bit different from the game we see on Tuesday night, which we'll get to. Um, but in terms, as you say, goals, cards, flashpoints. There's loads going on. It was a really enjoyable game. It was an it was an absolutely fantastic advert. I think for that sort of for League Two football and like we obviously Chris does a podcast with us and does the stream. But I think that's one of the first away games that he's been yeah. to with Dumbarton. He came mm-hmm. up because obviously I live up that way and we sort of made a day of it. We went out for lunch. Uh, he was he was getting seriously into it. <laughs> I think that uh, three years of doing the stream has sort of started to rub off and. Yeah. and 
you know, I saw the way he celebrated Finlay Gray's goal. That's all I'll say. And I don't think he'd be celebrating a Blades goal even just, no. just quite as much as that no. at Wembley today. That was a great moment in Finlay's goal, just in terms of moments of the season. Um, kind of the, almost the way the goal happened as well, the way the ball sat up to him and he struck it into the net and ran over to the fans. It was a, a brilliant moment, even though we couldn't hold on to the, to the lead. Um, it was really good to see. And obviously, we conceded a solidly two goals against Sterling Albion again, which I don't know what it is about because it's not as even if they're. Fantastic corners, they're into good areas, but nine times out of ten you'll see us defend them. It's just Sterling seem to have our numbers when it comes to corners, it's bizarre. Yeah, and it's not even like they're a huge physical team. So no. I, I looked at Aaron's team the other week, and I don't know if it's because you're kind of pitch level at Galabag, mm. but they've got some really big guys in that team. Like Sterling just look like a, a normal team. Like mm-hmm. They're maybe not dissimilar to us. I think Robert Thompson, I did have a week in a word with him afterwards about this knack that he has of scoring against us. He did mm-hmm. it for Stenhouse Mirror last season, he's done it a few times for Sterling this season. Like, this needs to stop. We were yeah. nothing but nice to yeah. him in his time here. Like, okay, he had a kind of difficult spell over a winter where I may have slagged him off quite relentlessly on a certain football forum. But at the end of the season, I loved the guy. And and if you'd just like to be a wee bit nicer to us, that would be greatly appreciated. Chris isn't here to tell the stats. Today, of how many goals you scored against us, I heard it in the commentary there, Dave. Yes. Eight or nine goals? Or uh, he's only got more goals against Air United than he has yeah. against Dumbarton. Yeah. And I think he's only scored against us since he's left. I don't think he ever scored against us before he signed for us. So mm. he's certainly got a fair few goals. And obviously, he didn't have a fantastic season with Steny last year, but still scored against us <laughs> in the one game we played against Steny yeah. last year. Uh, another thing that's maybe worth to- uh, worth touching on is uh, Ross McLean's goal, which mm. I don't think at the time until I watched the highlights back I appreciated how good a header mm. that was. I mean, he's sort of going back the way and just generates that power onto it to get it to dip right in front of Blair Curry, skip off the surface. That was a was a really good striker's finish from a guy who's not a striker. Yeah, kind of long for it's a goalkeeper. I put it back across goal. I think Blair Curry's maybe expecting something else, but Ross McLean's capable of that. Um, he was hitting a wee bit of form before he got injured, which was a little shame because I think he's, he scored against Stranar a couple weeks prior as well. Um, he, he was sent in some form and obviously he's signed up for the new season as well, which we'll talk about later, which is really good news. He can play in a couple of positions across that front line. He's led the line well. He, he always just seems he does a job when called upon. Yeah, I, I saw a kind of, I would say, a mixed reaction to Ross McLean signing. And mm. I, I think fans maybe need to be a wee bit careful what they wish for because that's two seasons Ross McLean's been at the club and both seasons he's contributed a combined double figures in goals mm. and assists. Yeah. There's not an awful lot of players that you can count on to do that every year. And if you look at how many games he's missed this season with injury, and to be fair, last season he missed a fair few games as well. Like, to be getting... He got nine goals last season. I think he's on five this season. Yeah. Plus, I think, four, five, four, five, six assists, something like that. So he's touching double figures and assists and goals combined. Like, that's very, very useful. And if you can get Ross McLean to have a consistent run of starts and keep him fit for a season, there's no reason why that can't be, you know, a combined 15 goals and assists mm. or maybe even more than that. A consistent run in a, in a one position is able to help him. Obviously, we've seen him get a run of games in the team, but maybe about in the left for two games, then up front for a few, then back out in the left and the right. So if we can get him kind of going in one position, they only make a, a spot of the team his own. I think, I think he will kind of excel. So after that came a midweek game against Forfra Athletic, Suns bogey team this season, um, and they remain Suns bogey team this season. Now, I kind of had the fear after the Sterling game because you saw the effort that the guys had put in a lot of them were looking dead on their feet. Obviously, Calvin Orsi at the end went off with what I hoped was just like fatigue, just Crap, knackered, yeah. but it turned out that he had picked up an injury in that one. And Suns were able to name just three players on the bench, which uh, was far from ideal, especially when I, I don't think even everyone who started was quite fully fit no. or fully sharp. After the, let's call it the pulsating action of the Saturday, that for a game was back down to earth with a bit of a bump. It was indeed, and you couldn't help but feel really sorry as a team that day. I think 
Was it, you look at the result and think poor result, which, yes, it is. It's a game the match should have been targeting to win. It would have put us back on top of the league. Um, it would have been a real kind of sign of intent for the rest of the season. Um, couldn't help but feel sorry for him. Obviously, he missed a penalty. I think we hit the post and the bar a couple of times. One off the line, one off the bar from six yards for Ross McLean. Um, really unlucky. And I remember we spoke to Faz after the game. I've, I think we said to each other, never seen him that low, even going up back to last season as well yeah. what happened did he seem so flat because the players did do everything apart from put the ball in the back of the net it was, it was really disappointing it was one of those games that someone had said to me afterwards that any other day that could have been 5-1 5-2 yeah. or something like that but it was just you know and it sounds so daft to talk about luck or whatever else but you know what ultimately football I think does come down to that at times and it was just that wee bit of luck deserted sons. a good save from Mark McCallum but also uh, from the penalty but also like you know chances that were being missed that really shouldn't have been yeah. missed and it was being missed across the team it wasn't like one player had a mm. stinker it was like maybe a chance would fall to one guy and he put it over the bar someone else and he hit it straight to the keeper it just felt like it was one of those days in front of goal and it's so strange thinking back that like you're right Suns could have gone back to the top of the league at that mm. point and here we are what Ooh, just under a month later and top of the league seems like a, an absolute mile away that seems like a very distant memory now yeah um I, mean, I just got back from Krakow that day after I started for three days, so I don't have a huge recollection of the game. Um, <laughs> Lucky I, you. I just, <laughs> I just remember the ch- missing chance after chance after chance. Um, really disappointing, and as I say, putting us back on top like that point would have been huge for us to see. That was the last game in March, and we'll just touch quickly on uh, March's CMG Systems Player of the Month, who was Peter Grant. Now, Peter Grant came in, obviously, in the deal that saw Ryan McGeever go over to Clyde on loan to the end of the season, and I think... Well, Peter Grant has, has made that position in left centre half very much his own. He's became a huge favourite with Suns fans. He's he's knocked Stuart Carswell out of the team. I know mm-hmm. Carswell's had an injury, but he's like you know not looking like he's likely to get any in any time soon with the sort of performances that Peter Grant's putting in. How impressed have you been with him since he joined up? Yeah, he's been very. Nice. He's made a spot his own. Um, it's always satisfying to see a right left footed centre half combo. Um, it's always good for your team. <laughs> um, he's he's performed a good track with Bucky. Um, they look really good together. He's, I think he was quite worse if he's played him once. He's been unlucky that the results haven't always showed the performances he's put in. Maybe not keeping clean sheets in every game, maybe not winning games, but um, in, in terms of performance player-wise, he's well worse if he's played him once for that. Yeah, I think it's quite quite unfortunate in a way that if you were to look at the raw stats, which I did last night, Peter Grant's like um, points per game ratio is actually pretty poor. I think it's yeah. one of the worst in the squads, but it's almost that's a... You know, that's just an unfortunate link that he's came in at a mm-hmm. time when it feels like everyone else has been injured, at least at some point, or everyone else has had to drop out the team. And he's been really unfortunate. I've been so, so impressed by him. But particularly how loud he is, I mean, he's coming into a team as a lone player. Now, obviously, he's experienced enough. He's not going to come in and just be quiet and be like an 18-year-old that you get on loan from whoever. But he's coming in and he's really, really bossing things around back there. And he's, he's just... You know they talk about captains without the armband. Mm. That's exactly what Peter Grant has been. I think. Yeah, and got a few I, of them in the team, which is good, especially across the back line. You could make a case for any. Well, yeah, <laughs> speaks for itself. Um, obviously, Bucky as well, and Martin McNiff, experience Brown. Yeah, I have been very impressed by Peter Grant, and I, I imagine he says speculating that uh, he might be a player that Stevie Farrell will be looking mm. at keeping on in the summer because he's made himself a very important player. 1st of April, April Fool's Day, and uh, Aaron Linus scored, which uh, prior to this season you would have thought was an April Fool, but he did actually score. He's making a bit of a habit of scoring screamers for yes. Suns as well this season, and seeing as he's on the podcast later, we'll uh, we'll talk about his goal from that game, because he strikes the ball when it's round about hip height. Mm. A brilliant hit, um, one you wouldn't expect from him, as you say, kind of, I think you know, proud to come he had one goal his career before he came to the Martin. Yep. And the two goals he scored this season, you wouldn't think that. You'd think he's a full-back that chips in with four or five a season. But it was a great goal. Um, 
he's, he's, it's not always the size of the game you see from him. He's normally running into tackles, going up and down the line. He's not always shooting. Um, but a great hit, and obviously came at a really good time in the game, just before half time. If after a bit of a drab half, um, looked like there wasn't much between the teams. So to get in front then was huge. But obviously, the second half happened. Yeah, in the second half did happen, and I think the the fear, and that was something that I'd said before the game, so I think I was on commentary with John Gemmell that day, and I'd said to him that it feels like we maybe need to have the game won by about the hour mark, because again, looking at the bench, you had Eden Lynch, who's obviously not played a lot of football, you had Rusty McLean, and you had uh, Luca Vata, that was it, that was Sun's options from the bench, that was... That was the extent of them. And you felt like Stenny maybe had a wee bit more. Mm. Sure enough, Stenny bring on Ewan O'Reilly and Tam Orr. Ewan O'Reilly sets up a goal for Gavin Riley. Yeah. What a signing Gavin Riley is for League 2, by the way. But anyway, and then Tam Orr grabs the winner. And it just, it was in that period where it just felt like if you could have just stopped the season now, mm-hmm. people would have been quite happy with that because it felt like for all the good work of the previous nine months, basically, I think Stevie Farrell said it the other night, like a tough few weeks, what was it? A space of 10 days, kind of, yeah. It's kind of just falling apart. Yeah, it's, it's been really unfortunate. You don't want to sit here and blame injuries and the pitch and whatever, but you, you can't deny they've got a factor. Um, we're doing so well before that and then obviously going into games with three, four subs, obviously and those subs are a 16 year old a right back and a striker it's, it's not ideal um, guys to call upon um, it's a really unfortunate 10 days has put us in a, you know, a, a bad position which has been a shame yeah and it, it feels so harsh on the guys but I mean to a degree you have to say fair play to Sterling Albion like they've, yeah. they're undefeated since the first weekend in December that's that's incredible mm-hmm. but any level of football I think Chris had said the other day that the only clubs with the longer unbeaten run were he says trying to remember this Celtic Celtic Dunfermline and Burnley Burnley so you know you're in Dunfermline who are by far the biggest club oh Falkirk fans are going to like this one (laughs) who are by far the biggest club in League 1 take cover (laughs) Uh, you've got Burnley who are managed by Vincent Company. Uh, who I think is going to go on to have a cracking career and you've got Celtic mm-hmm. I won't make a comment about biggest clubs in the country because no. Falkirk fans can come at me but I don't <laughs> want to get involved in the old firm nonsense but you've had Celtic who have been the dominant force in Scottish football in my lifetime mm-hmm. now I think statistically but anyway if you're up in that sort of company you're going to win a league it's yeah. really really that simple and you know yeah you could point and say well maybe they've been a bit fortunate like they've not lost Carrick with injury if you were to take I'm trying to think of the players that Suns have lost at various stages so they've lost Carsey for a stage so if you were to take out um, you know say Jordan McGregor from that Sterling Albion team then you were to take out Dale Carrick because Declan Byrne mm-hmm. the top scorer yeah. then you were to take out uh, someone like well, like Josh Cooper or Danny Denham out wide when Calvin yeah. Orsi was out injured and Jack then, Leach for Joe McKee kind of thing Jack Leach yeah. for Joe McKee uh, if you were to take out I'm trying to think who else someone like uh, even like Kieran Moore for Ross McLean mm-hmm. or uh, Robert Thompson for Ross McLean mm-hmm. like they would be in a, a difficult situation and I think Faz had said that that if you were to take out the number of players that we'd lost from any other side in the division or any other side in the country, their form would dip. It would struggle, yeah. Yeah, and you know, he says stepping up in his soapbox because he's feeling in a confrontational mood today, clearly. But I, I think there does need to be a degree of understanding with that. And I've seen a lot of fans saying, oh, well, you can't blame the injuries for X, Y, and Z. Right. Dumbarton were always going to lose games this season. Mm-hmm. It was always going to happen. And there was games that Suns lost before the injuries. I'm looking at Elgin at home, where they were really, really below par. Like, yeah. miles, miles off the standard of being good enough. Uh, the Forfair game at the start of the season when Ryan McGeever got sent off after 10 minutes was mm-hmm. a, a real yeah. disaster of a game. There were times like that. Even the Albion Rovers game, Suns didn't have injuries to blame. No. They were just outplayed by a better team. But that three-game run where the bench was so, so sparse, I mean, guys were playing through injuries. If you are sitting there on Facebook, on Twitter, in the stadium mm-hmm. or whatever... And you're going, well, injuries have nothing to do with this, then you, you don't 
don't really know what you're talking about, yeah. I would suggest. Yeah, you can't. We don't want to sit here and say that it's cost us a season because that's not true. I think we've done, we probably in the past couple of podcasts, we did do Sterling a bit of a disservice. We sat here and said, oh, they scored late goals or scoring screamers that the luck's going to run out at some point, but it hasn't. You have to say fair play to that. Even last weekend when uh, we won up at Bonnie Reagan, looked like, oh, two points, cut the gap, win on Tuesday, maybe back in it, and then 95th minute went off from Sterling. So, you have to say fair play to them. Um, we have done them a bit of a disservice. It's something I'd said at the start of the season where somebody had said uh, some seven game winning run was, was down to luck. And I'm like, no, I'm sorry, no, luck only you takes you so far. No, yeah. luck only mm-hmm. takes you so far. Luck might win you two games a season. And that's what you have to say about Sterling. Luck might win you one game in the 95th minute. But when you're scoring, I mean, if you, I think Chris had said to me, it actually felt worse than it was. But they scored quite a few late goals, really important late goals as well. The winner, Jack Leach's winner against Bonnie Rigg at Fourth Bank a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago. And then obviously Dale Carrick uh, at the weekend. Greg Spence got one, I think, in the last two minutes at Bonnie Rigg. Bonnie like that's well, the, that bit's to Lanar, they saved the penalty in the last minute as well so it's big yeah. moments at both ends of the park it's kind of the, the whole team's kind of got them over the line yeah and that's that's not luck if they were scoring one last minute winner that's luck if they're scoring uh, consistent goals in the last minute then they're a team who fight for the last yeah. minute and I don't think anyone can begrudge them no. the league you can for their fans patter on Twitter oh. which um, which is really really uh, really turgid stuff but you can't begrudge their football team a very, very well-deserved league title. And I'd said in the stream, and I won't start talking about Sterling Albion too much, but it's about time they got back up. Like, they've mm-hmm. been in League yeah, 2 for big, far too long. too big to be down where they are. Um, just going back to it as well, we spoke when Kai Forlingham left them at the start of the season, or in January, we said, oh, that's it, kind of, the wheels will fall off for Sterling Bus now. But the guys like Jack Leach, have we spoke about, he stepped up, and he really impressed me every time I've seen him this season, that kind of missed kick against the other side in the two each game. Um, guys like that have kind of stepped up in his absence, and they've not been replaced falling, I don't think, particularly. No. no. They've just all kind of huddled around and, and, and got over the line. Yeah, unbeaten since Kai Fotheringham left, which I don't <laughs> think any him. Beano's fan yeah. would have believed. Kai, Kai who? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the last uh, of the sort of miserable games that we'll touch on was the 8th of April, and it was that 3-1 defeat to Annan Athletic at Gallabank. And 3-1, as Faz said, and as I think every Suns fan would agree, flattered Suns at half-time. We, uh, we walked past each other, said no words, and just sort of puffed out our cheeks and yeah. acknowledged each other that uh, 3-0 at half-time was very fortunate. Yeah, sometimes football fans will say... Oh, it was three half time, it could have been six or seven. This could have been six or seven or eight. Brett Long made three or four outstanding saves or missing shots from six yards. It was um it was absolutely brutal and fact said could have been double figures. Um and it was true. Saying that at our end, it's three 0 We had a couple of good chances late at the end of the first half that maybe makes the second half a bit different, but that first half it was just kinda it was a kinda capitulation the last couple of weeks, it kinda you could almost see it coming. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't feel great going down there, and then um, it, it just got worse after after about seventy five seconds when Willie Gibson <laughs> scored the opener. I put in Pine Bovril at half time. That I, I think Brett Long put in one of the best like single half performances of goalkeeping that I've ever seen from a Dumbarton goalkeeper. Eleven shots on target in the first half for Manning, and and they scored three. Now, yeah. granted, a lot of that was down to poor finishing, mm-hmm. but. Brett Long saves, I think, three one-on-ones. And like a double save right at the end of the first half as well, which is as good as you'll see. The one where he got it in quite a sensitive area, <laughs> I think, as well. So putting his body on the line, even at three, yeah, um, yeah that performance from Brett Long was, was very, very positive. The second half, as any manager will tell you, it's easy to play when you're 3-0 down. Mm-hmm. But Suns did make a couple of decent changes. They were able to bring on uh, Calvin Orsi and David Wilson. And obviously Declan Byrne came back on yeah. earlier, I think earlier than anyone would have wanted in that game. Yeah. yeah, half an hour in, he came on. But that... 
suddenly, and it's something Faz had said afterwards, but suddenly you started to see a wee bit more of the Dumbarton team from maybe two months previous yeah. rather than the team that we'd, uh, we'd seen for the last month. Yeah, there was a bit of a structure when I mean, you see that, and it's right when he says, or you're right when you say that any team can play, it's, you know, it's easy to kind of just you know, go through the motions, and I'm sure Annie and were kind of the same, they've probably just sat on three now, we'll, we'll not go too far forward, we'll just kind of sit on this. Um, but you, you could see the kind of the shape come back together. It's been so successful that kind of four one four one formation. The guys know the roles and stuff. Um, and as you said, Deco coming on early did kind of give me the fear a wee bit, um, especially when he came back for the Stenhouse Muir game. Then we missed him again for another month or so. You kind of thought on a plastic part and a hot day. It's kind of it's an hour of football. Maybe not going to suit him, but he's kind. It he seems to have got sort of okay, and, and he's still in the team just now, which is good news. If there was one other positive as well as uh, Brett Long's performance in that, it was David Wilson scoring a brilliant free mm. kick, which um, I was right behind and thoroughly enjoyed watching going in. He's obviously another player who signed a new deal and extended his contract, and I think Dumbarton are a better team when David Wilson plays. It's really that simple. Yeah, he's really clever with the ball. Um, he kind of knows when to move it about. He's good at both sides of the game, obviously, and beside Blair. Blair does most of the dirty work, but Wilson's not afraid to get stuck in as well. He's got really good feet. Uh, I think he had a great game on, on Tuesday against Sterling. I wasn't here, but I watched the stream. I thought he was brilliant. Um, just in terms of getting forward, another loads of energy. Him and Finlay make a great big combo in the middle of the park. I think you've, and when you've got guys rushing into the box from all angles, you're going to cause opposition team problems. He says, clobbering his microphone with excitement. Yeah, uh, David Olsen's performance in the first half against Sterling, especially, mm-hmm. was absolutely excellent. I yeah. thought he was the best player in the park. He, he's obviously not played a lot of football in recent weeks and he tired off and then got taken off, uh, I don't know, about 15, 20 minutes from time. But yeah, I'm pleased that we've got, got that deal over the line because he's a player. I've always said it with David Olsen that. He's a player who infuriates me, but he can flick in like 10 seconds from being the best player on the park to doing something really, really inexcusable to then being the best player on the park again. Um, But this season, I think, I don't know if it's the extra experience, obviously down a couple of levels, but like we're seeing the good bits of David Wilson a lot more than we did in his first spell, and he's a lot more consistent. Yeah, he scored some clever goals as well. Um, I remember the one on Christmas Eve against East Fife, the way he took it, just kind of that forward line as we spoke about, getting forward into the box and a great finish. He seems to add that to the game. He was... I remember the first team we see was a wee bit maybe not scared to be in the ball but he just kind of get it and you know, pass it along and keep it moving which isn't always a bad thing but you can see how much he has improved in his time kind of down at this level Right, that's all the uh, defeats and draws out of the way so we'll get on to uh, the first game of that last month uh, that Jack Crawford has missed and that was the 2-0 victory against Bonnie Rigg at New Dundas Park and uh, I've just put, so I, I keep wee notes after every game so I can keep track of stats and things like that and um, my first note is, that's far more like it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and, and Farrell said after the game, it's no coincidence when you've got your players back and the shape they like, as we've seen in the second half of Annan, kind of, you, you'll get a performance like that. Um, really hard place to go. I think Bonnie Lake were one of the form teams going into the game. I think yep. they 15, maybe not 12 points of 18 or something. They, they, they were up there in the form leagues anyway. They'd won a few games in a row down against teams at the bottom. Obviously still fighting for their lives. Um, Bit of a contrast from the Annan game going for the, who are going for the playoffs, but really hard place to go as we've seen in the past. I don't we, we've not seen us been there then. That's the first ever Dumbarton win in Bonnie Rig. Yeah, well, I mean, there's go. only been two previous visits, but yeah. you know, it's club history being made. Yeah, um, so the penalty decision was peculiar. Justice was probably <laughs> done with that. I don't understand why the Bonnie Rig players just accepted it. No, I, I would have completely lost my head. I think it was Johnny Stewart who was penalised and he actually got booked for a tackle later in the half, so he's quite lucky he wasn't booked for that. But if I was him, my head would have completely gone. I've just fell over the ball. Yeah, I, I think he sort of he sort of slipped and then hit it with his standing leg mm. and then swiped it with his other leg and 
he doesn't even look. I mean, he's just obviously no, a bit like, mm, what happened there? <laughs> F- fell kicking a ball up quite a steep hill and uh, the referee's given it. And yeah, I think justice was absolutely done with that being saved by Paddy Martin. As frustrating as it was because Suns had actually merited a goal with that mm. first half or mm. the first sort of, I don't know, 15 minutes of that performance. He could have scored a couple. Peter Grant had a header that dropped just wide. Declan Byrne was in early on. After yeah, about 15 definitely. seconds, yeah. David Wilson sent Declan Byrne in on goal. And I kind of looked at it. And you know, you have those games where you look and you think... All right. Okay. Yeah, I, I can see that we might have a bit of a chance here. Like I think we've worked on how to, you know, breach this Bonnie Rig defence. Yeah. You know what Declan Byrne will do. He, I'm getting behind. It was something that Chris had said as well. Watching the highlights with me in the car previous uh, practice to Sterling Albion game was like it's the first time in a wee while I've seen a striker point to where he wants the ball, make the run, and the midfielder drop it right to him. Mm. Like it's not something we see an awful lot. And actually, the last time that Declan Byrne did that, that off the top of my head, uh, it was East Fife away when he scored that goal. Mm-hmm. Ryan Blair picks up the ball and he basically points to where he wants it. Ryan Blair squeezes the ball around the gap, sends him in, and he puts it into the bottom corner. Yeah, he does give you that. He's got, he's got something that the rest of the strikers don't kind of offer you, which is good to have those options. But I think with Bond, you've got a completely unique. He's just going to run for as long as he's on the park. He doesn't give defenders a, a minute's rest. He's, he's, him coming back and probably coincides with the form we've been on. Yeah, and Declan Byrne, another player. I feel like we're just rat- like rattling through them, but Declan Byrne, another player who's committed his future to the club. I can't remember a time where Suns had eight players signed up for the new season. I think it's eight. Eight players signed up for the new season, what, a month before the season ends? And that might get even more later today. Who knows? Mm. You'll have to keep listening to find out about that, though. Um, yeah, that was just a, a really, a really decent away day. I, I thoroughly enjoyed my trip to Bonnie Rig last week. And obviously it was capped off in injury time by Russell McLean getting his first goal since February. And I said to Andy Scott after it, I was like, that's the guy, that's, that's the guy, that's the guy. Yeah, that's I've the seen guy. him do that a million times, yeah. That's the, he used to do that to us all the time. <laughs> yeah. he, was, he picked up the ball and it was like he was just playing his own game. It was like yeah. men against boys. Great wee touch, turn, okay. I think it was Callum Conley was the Bonnie Rig defender who decided that he was A half challenge, kind of, yeah. yeah. he wasn't really going Must to engage. That, no. He just shrugs off a yeah. challenge. I, put, I think I put in my, um, my report, Breeze Beyond the Challenge, <laughs> which I quite like using. Breeze Beyond the Challenge and just tucked it in at Paddy Martins in your post. Like, that was that's exactly what you want to see from Russell McLean. Yeah, you can see it with what it meant to him as well. Great pictures from Andy um, of Rusty right in the camera, um, and it's the type of quality that we've, we've seen him do countless times in the past against us. So good to see him do it for us. Obviously, he scored against Annie. Bit of a break between his goal, bit of a gap between his goals, but good to see him back on and kind of there's nothing more I love more than a two 0 last minute goal. The yeah. last minute winners are great, but you've always got that fear. And they could still launch it in and get it, but 2 0, you know, the game's done, kind of three points in the bag, right? Yeah, and I, I would love to see Russell McLean hit a wee bit of form going to the playoffs. Firstly, because I think he'd be a nightmare for any defender to deal with, but secondly, because he's taken a fair bit of stick, and I, I don't think it's. I don't think it's been entirely unwarranted like I understand fans get frustrated but he's maybe in the Peter Grant kind of mould that he's unfortunate he came into a team at the time where we were low on players Mm. um, you know where maybe he wasn't getting the sort of service he would have got if he had a fully fit David Wilson behind him if he had Declan Byrne alongside him or Mm. Calvin out wide or whatever and yeah I I just I think it'd be great for him and I think it would be something that I really really hope he's determined to do to just prove people wrong prove the doubters wrong like you're taking a fair bit of stick from the fans he'll hear it he'll know it Mm. Go out there and prove them wrong, because that would certainly, if I'd been anywhere near good enough to play at any respectable level, it would really fire me up. And I'll show you. And yeah. I think you saw that outpouring of emotion after his goal when he was just like, "Yeah, you know what? I can do I, this. I can do it." Yeah. yeah. I followed that Bonnie like game kind of old school. Um, I couldn't make the game, so I was checking Twitter every so often, and I seen penalty Dumbarton come up. And then I was watching Soccer Saturday with Jeff and the boys. Um, just waiting for the gold to pop up a few minutes passed by I'm like mm, I should probably go back on Twitter and write enough penalty saved but 
there's nothing better than watching soccer and seeing the team come up without having any idea that they've scored. It's like being back in the day, it was brilliant. I know, I don't think I've experienced that feeling no, in a very, very long time. Yeah, it's good. You know, the one that kind of sticks in my mind, and I don't even know if it, I think it would have been at a Gillette soccer special, a midweek, the season we won the third division, I think. It might be in the third division, or it might be in the playoff season of 2011 12, and it was a game up at Forfar in a midweek. We won 2 0 on the Tuesday night. We won yeah. 2 0, and I remember watching that and just being like like lying in bed, just waiting on the score yeah. to have It was probably a Champions League night or something like that, yeah. so you'd have like the AC Milan score or the Bayern Munich score or whatever, and then you just got like. Four final, Ross Clark. Yeah. <laughs> just like, yes! Oh, it was an amazing thing. That's, yeah, that's giving me proper flashbacks. Wow. I feel like I kind of need to take myself off Twitter and just watch a game on Soccer Saturday at some point again yes. just to get that feeling but I'll finish 0-0 with it yeah, yeah we'll be meeting 5-0 and I'll be away at the house for a walk yeah. or just to get away uh, final game that we will touch on before the bit that you've all been waiting for uh, the arrival of Aaron Linus it will be Tuesday night's uh, 0-0 draw with Sterling Albion and if the last game was pulsating and a fantastic advert for League 2 football uh, this one had my esteemed colleague Stuart McFarlane at the Sterling Observer struggling to fill a 400 word match report there wasn't a lot that happened. Um, I actually put that I, I don't think either set of fans could complain too much about their players. I think there was a lot of effort. Mm-hmm. I remember Jim Duffy, and it was something I think Morgan Neal had touched on as well, saying defending is underrated and like people don't appreciate good defending. There was some really good defending mm. in that game. Defending is quite boring, but like Peter Grant's performance was excellent. I thought Jordan McGregor's performance for them was excellent. Like if you're into watching centre halves dominate strikers then you would have really enjoyed that game yeah it's a very cagey affair that's probably yeah. a good way to put it um, I don't think either side wanted to lose the game particularly obviously for the Martin we didn't want Sterling to come here and, and win the league title after being in a battle with him uh, all season and for Sterling they probably didn't want Dumbarton to get a wee glimpse of the door being half open again so you could see both teams maybe not playing for a point but maybe not committing bodies forward as much as you'd hope um, from the back point of view Calvin Orsi I thought it was great as well we gave Cammy Clark a torrid time down the right um, just Sometimes missing that final touch, Calvin, but some good deliveries into the box. I was saying, I think it was it him that nearly set up McLean uh, yeah, on? Yeah, yeah. a couple of good chances from later on, which obviously were Rusty and Deco as well. So, the, the, the decent performance. Um, obviously, the thousand and whatever it was, punters that were here probably didn't come to see a 0 0 at the fifth time of asking <laughs> that game. Kind of, we should have known that was going to happen, shouldn't we? Five, four postponements, it was always going to finish. Oh, it was, it was absolutely always going to finish 0 0. But what a, great, what a night it was, what a great decision to, to get it played. I mean, the previous night we'd left the stadium and obviously it was soaking in the ground and it was kind of sleeting when I was driving up the road and then I arrived. Sunglasses on, and I sat in the car, too warm. The window down, I didn't think about putting the roof down, but I thought, no, I'll hold <laughs> off doing that. Window down, um, sat in the car park waiting for Chris, just like, this is fantastic. Yeah. Why did anybody want this game played yeah, in a midweek perfect. in February? And if I was a Sterling Albion fan, that's exactly the conditions I'd want to win the league yeah, in. Exactly, yeah. You know, and if they'd got over the line, that would have been a really, really memorable one for them. Thankfully, they didn't, because I, I, I don't like seeing other teams being successful in Arlington Patch. So, uh, thankfully, they didn't, but you'd expect that they'll, uh, they'll get the job done today against Annan, and if not, then. Um, well, they've got two other times to get yeah. the job done, so they'll get over the line. Uh, that game also saw Sunset a clean sheet record, which you'd put in the group chat, which I've forgotten now, but I think it's uh, 16, 16, 17 this season. He says, we'll get the group chat. If only someone put an article on the website that we could quickly reference whilst I fill the dead air as it comes up. But yeah, Sunset last season really, really struggled for clean sheets. Now, off the top of my head, it was certainly single figures, and I want to say it was four or five in all competitions, and it was a massive part of the reason that Dumbarton went down last season, was that inability to keep the door closed at the back. This year, and I like the fact that it's shared between Brett Long and Harry Brown yes, as well. Like uh, both, yeah. Harry Brown is... Um, 
kept two clean sheets in three games this season. We won't mention the third one because yeah. it throws out his average. But <laughs> for a, an 18-year-old kid, as he, I think he was 18 when he made his debut up at Peterhead, to keep two clean sheets and be man of the match in that game against Wraith the as well. Was excellent, wasn't it? Was yeah. absolutely outstanding. Uh, yeah, it's great. He can be part of that. Jack, you've fired up the website. 17 it was. So 16 was the previous tally, uh, which was the promotion-winning season of 8-09 with Mark McGowan and David McEwen. Um, so the two of Brett's got 15, that North Harry's got two from the Cup games. Yeah, so that's a, a tremendous achievement for the two of them. And Brett obviously signed up for the new season as well. Yeah. Um, is you know that was a fantastic bit of business getting that one over the line last summer because he is, I would say, the best goalkeeper Dumbarton have had in a permanent deal since Alan Martin. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Kevin Dubrovsky obviously is uh, worthy of an honour in there, but he only played about nine games and he was never actually ours, which Not was a great one. shame. Yeah, and the fans never got to see him live, which was also a great shame because he was a superb to watch, great fun, hilarious, and great to listen to, incredibly yeah. loud. <laughs> um, one of the few highlights of that COVID season was hearing Kevin's sort of running commentary on games, um, and also I think fans would have loved him because he was just such a nice big guy. Yeah, he was just an, a fantastic character. He was, uh, yeah. I miss Kevin He's doing well just now Queen of South He is doing well at Queen of South Whose manager was sat in front of me the other night Hopefully taking notes on Sterling Albion players <laughs> Hopefully yeah Hopefully some Sterling Albion players really caught his eye yeah. And he, he wasn't looking at anybody who was playing in uh, Playing in Dumbarton Colours with sort of any sort of Fanciful eyes I did message someone last night and say I fear he could be treating us as a pick and mix Which would be really really mm, disappointing Anyway that's us uh, recap the month that was well March and a bit of April and you know for the most part fairly miserable join us in part two where if you're watching the stream that man there will be filling that kit well he won't be doing it in a full kit that would be a bit weird but that man there will be sat here and we have some exciting news to bring you on Aaron Linus's future at Dumbarton Football Club Now for the bit you've all been waiting for Aaron Linus be able to see if you're watching on the stream we have uh, taken Aaron Linus's spirit from his kit which is over there and we've morphed it into the real person who's now sat in front of us Aaron thank you very much for joining us no thanks very much for having me and the first question I'll ask you is and I like to ask everyone this have you done anything like this before in the ball boys room at a lower league stadium uh, no this is the first I've done one at uh, Albion Rover so I've had a wee bit of practice uh. it wasn't quite as salubrious as uh, no, no. the mascot's head and your kit backwards on American <laughs> <laughs> no this is uh, no, that's a wee bit different to be fair, yeah. I'm, I'm absolutely, uh, I'm looking forward to the feedback from people when they watch this on YouTube. And if you are listening to it on Spotify, which I think most people will do, uh, please go on and look at the stream just for the kind of slightly surreal image of Alan's <laughs> kit backwards on a mannequin, which which looks sort of fantastic, but also really, really odd. Mm. And I can't get my head around it. Anyway, uh, Aaron, you've made yourself, I said, uh, probably the most popular member of Sun's Sun squad this season, which has hopefully peed off all your teammates. But first of all, how have you? How much have you enjoyed your time at Dumbarton? Because you've settled in very, very quickly. Uh, it's it's been really good, and for the day dot, the boys have been great. Um, I knew some of them already, like Big McGeever, Calvin Orsay, Ali Love. So um, I'd already played with them. So yeah, it's, it was really, really good, and I was delighted for the day dot. I'm wanting to sort of, in these podcasts, like dive back a wee bit, because normally I'll talk to you post-match and we'll talk about the game or the games coming up or the season and all that kind of stuff, and people can read that in our respective newspapers, but I always like to do a wee bit more sort of di- deeper digging in these sort of podcasts. So take me back to, right back to the start of your footballing career, and like, who was your first boys club, when did you start playing, and, and all that sort of thing? Um, my first boys club, I started off at Inverkeithen United, um, and actually I started off as a goalkeeper, <laughs> um, and I was doing that for... What, a couple of years and then just one year I decided I fancied playing outfield just to see what it was like and see if I was any good at it and then yeah i done that for a season or two and then uh, I got picked up by Cowden Beath so yeah that's where it all started for me in the professional football. 
were you any good in goals? Like, would you do you think that you could have had the career you've had outfield in goals? Uh, I have thought about that. To be fair, um, I thought I was actually not bad in goals. I thought it was okay, um, but I just fancied I changed. I just wanted to be a bit more involved in the game. I think, and that's why I wanted to go out in field. And yeah, it's it's paid off. But whether I would have made it as a goalkeeper. Who knows? I don't know. We've had injuries of Riddles this season, so if Brett gets sent off one game and Harry's out, are you first man to step up then? I'd, the def- I'd definitely throw my name in there. <laughs> definitely, why not? Definitely. I'm going to text Eric Phillips immediately. <laughs> I'm seeing over the summer that we can do a wee thing on like a goalkeeping session with you and Eric, and I just want to yeah. see how it goes. I'm just really interested. <laughs> so that's what you've signed yourself up for after being on the podcast for four minutes. So <laughs> that's, that's the risk of saying these things. Talk me through that uh, that sort of first move to Cowdenbeath then when you were, what age would you have been at that sort of time? And, and yeah, I think it was about 13, 14 when I started there, so yeah, I was there um, for a good few years, I'd done my YTSs there, uh, done that for two years and then signed my first pro contract with the club as well, so yeah, really, really enjoyed it, it was good. That's been a strong period for Cowdenbeath as well, because them and Sons were kind of two of the best part-time clubs in the country around about that time, if my timing's correct in my head, because I know you're a similar age to me and a similar age to Jack, and that was kind of when we were growing up that mm-hmm. Cowdenbeath had a really good team, so who were the kind of who were the big names at Cowdenbeath at that time? Um, there was a few, to be fair. Kane Hemmings, Greg Stewart, who went on to have really, really good careers, and they were very, very good players at, at Cowdenbeath at the time, do you know what I mean? You could just tell there was... They had a lot, a lot of ability to go and progress further and, and play a lot higher, and, and they've proved that. So just to be around the boys full time, do you know what I mean? Getting that experience and, and learning for them, it was good. As people will be able to tell from your accent as well, like we said, you're the first uh, first foreign guest that we've had on the podcast <laughs> because you're from all the way over in the east. Whereabouts is it you're actually from, and I, why why have you ended up at Dumbarton and Albion Rovers? Because that's quite unusual. Yes, yeah, yeah, maybe even better putting a bit of subtitles on this so people can understand <laughs> me, but. Uh, no, it's to be fair, any club that I've been at, I've, I've had a bit of travelling to do. I've played at Breakin and stuff as well, so it's just think I like seeing a bit of the Scottish countryside, to be honest. <laughs> I think that's what it must be. But no, it's good to you know every club that I've, I've been at, I've, I've loved my time there. So. Yeah, well, you obviously moved from Cowdenbeath to Aloha Athletic, and I was looking it up before you came in. Your Aloha debut was against Rangers. Um, that's kind of thrown in at the deep end. Uh, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't even expecting it, to be honest. Do you know what I mean? Even being the, on the bench, uh, I was training really, really well with the club and, and doing quite well. And then, do you know what I mean? You, you go and prepare as you do ever. just expect to be, not, you don't expect to be on the bench, but just even be involved in the squad. Do you know what I mean? You've still got to prepare right and and do the right things and then he named his team and I was on the bench so yeah the nerves started to to kick in a wee bit and yeah and then I, he gave me the call it was in the second half and he told me to warm up and I couldn't quite believe it to be honest I thought he'd said the wrong name or something I was like nah I don't think it's me um, but uh, it was what an experience it was great Who were you up against in the Rangers team? Uh, oh my say they brought me on at um, right wing so I don't know I think he made a mistake there as well to be honest but um I was uh, Lee Wallace, he was playing left back, so that was a wee bit of a challenge. <laughs> Kept you busy, though. <laughs> Imagine that drop. What age did you have at that point? Just yeah, I was 19 at the time. So, dropping a 19 year old, making his debut in against Lee Wallace. Yeah, good uh, luck. Welcome to, welcome to professional football. <laughs> All the best. Aye, no, good luck with that one. That must have, that must have been quite an exciting time to be at Alloa because that would have been the league that had uh, Rangers, Hearts, Hibs would have been kicking around at that sort of time. Like That must have been a really good time to be round about a club like Alloa because it was at Dumbarton as well. Like You never really think at this level you're going to be sharing a league with these clubs. No, do you know what I mean? It was it was a really really good competitive league and do you know what I mean? A lot of good clubs in that. So, yeah, it was a really exciting time, yeah. 
you went out on loan to East Stirling uh, a couple of months after that. Talk me through that time and how important was a loan spell? Like if you're not playing a lot of adult football, if you're maybe playing, I don't know if there was a reserve league at that sort of time or whatever, but I getting out, getting first team football, getting abuse from the stands, coming up against, you know, I guess guys like John Gemmell in League 2 as well who just look at a 19-year-old and start rubbing their hands. Talk me through how important that time was for you. Yeah, it was massive. Do you know what I mean? I played, obviously I, I came on against Rangers for a hour, but I wasn't getting that game time that I needed and I felt at that age... Um, it was crucial that I was playing. Do you know what I mean? Week in, week out football, um, and to go League Two, it was it was good. Do you know what I mean? You're as you've, you've just basically explained it there, the physicality of the game, and <clears throat> excuse me, getting involved and and getting the minutes, and do you know experiencing these leagues and showing what it's all about and what you need to do, and it was good, and it was I feel like it was crucial to uh, for myself. Everyone knows that you're quite a combative player. You aren't somebody who'll shirk a challenge. It took you uh, six games at East Stirling to get your first <laughs> career red card. And that game finished. It was a 5-3 defeat to East Stirling. I actually found the highlights in really grainy quality on YouTube or Vimeo or something like that. Um, talk me through your first career red card. Um, try to go through them all to remember. Okay? Uh, there's, been a few, there's been a few. Um, yeah, that's, that's just how I've been. Do you know what I mean? I, I just like to get stuck in and then... In. Yeah, it was disappointing, do you know what I mean? No one gets, likes to get sent off, but that was just how I was at the time. I was determined every game. I wanted to win every game, and I would do everything I can to win the game, but maybe at times it was just a wee bit too much. Do you think that's something that you've sort of calmed down? This season, see at the start of the season, and I don't mind saying this to you, there was times you were going in for tackles, and me and Jim McAllister, the announcer especially, were going... <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was fine, it was perfectly clean, but it was one of those ones that if you were just a fraction too late, we were going... <laughs> No, he's all right. It seems like you've sort of calmed that down a wee bit. Is that something that you've noticed, or was that just you know how things were at the start of the season? Yeah, do you know what I mean? I think it just comes with experience and, and managing the game. I get a bit better, and do you know what I mean? If you get sent off, it's you can't do anything on the part. Do you know what I mean? You're, you're letting the boys down, you're letting the gaffer down. So I think it's just experience and learning the game that it's it's crucial that you've got all of the players on the park. So after, after leaving Aloha, you moved to Brecon City and that was a pretty successful time for Brecon. I think they had one season that was a bit iffy. I'm trying to know they had the season that you came in would have been the season they got promoted, wasn't yeah. it? So that would have been a, a great time to be a Brecon City player, but it, you know, it made way for a slightly more tricky time, shall we say. But we'll focus <laughs> on the good times first of all. That Brecon team, I don't think anyone expected them to get promoted that season. They'd stayed up the season before and yeah, they, they did it in the playoffs. And I remember watching it and thinking... I didn't imagine that Suns would be playing Brecon in the Championship next season. So talk me through what you remember from that time. Well, do you know what I mean? At the start of the season, your main ambition is, is to ha have a successful one. And do you know what I mean? You always want to get promoted. And But as you said, I don't think it was... No one expected it, sorry, us to be up there. But mm. do you know what I mean? We had a, a really, really good season. And yeah, it was brilliant. And to get promoted in my first season there was amazing. That, that season, that, uh, or that final game, the 4-3 defeat to Aloha where Brecon won it on penalties, talk me through your memories from that, because you obviously played you played the whole game, you got booked as well, I can see from that, <laughs> you, you played the whole game, that that must have been just a real emotional roller coaster because that, I mean a penalty shootout, a 4-3 defeat, 4 all in aggregate, I mean that's the biggest sort of pressure you can imagine on a player. Yeah definitely, I've never been in that place before where I'd like to get the chance to be promoted, so it was, do you know what I mean, that's running through your head, the full game, you just you want to do well, you don't want to blow it at getting that far and so yeah it was it was amazing and, and to do it was brilliant. Were you up for it a bit more the fact it was against Aloha or did you defeat another game? Yeah because you kind of want to prove a point, do you know what I mean, getting let go and you want to show what you can do or what you could have done for the club as well so 
yeah, you get a bit of stick as well, but that's <laughs> that's football that comes with. So yeah, it was that was great. Did you realise that day that you played against Frank McEwen as well? No, I didn't know. <laughs> no, neither did I until I looked at that. It's just going through the team lineups because obviously Sons and Aloe, I feel like they kind of share players to quite a big degree. Yeah. I was looking to it like I Scott Taggart, Callum Waters, Frank McEwen, Andy Graham. There's uh, quite a strong Dumbarton link in that whole back four. Yeah, there's a lot of experience in there, so I must have remembered me then. <laughs> you kind of stuck in his mind from that game. That sort of, um, what was the mood that summer at Brecon, obviously, because you'd gone up maybe about a bit against all odds, but I guess it was, you know, same boat that Suns had been in, that Aloha were in, where it's, nobody's expecting anything from you, so it's just a, hey, you go out there and you give it your best and there's not really any pressure? Nah, not at all, because I don't think anyone expected us to be in that league to start with, so there was there was nothing there to really to lose. We just had to go and prove a point that we were, we are we are a good side, sorry, so yeah, it was, it was a great season to be in that league, yeah. How difficult then was the season in the Championship in terms of well, the results? It must be so hard going into a changing room every week and going to training every week and keeping boys motivated and knowing the sort of character you are, like you're going to be one of the ones who's trying to keep them going, but going in every week when you know it had been a, a real tough one on the park. Yeah, it was hard. You know, I mean, there was a lot of good full-time teams in that league and we knew we were up against it being a part-time side, but we just had to keep believing every week that you know we can do it. We're we're here for a reason, so. Yeah, it was it was disappointing, but do you know what I mean? The boys gave everyone week in week out, so you, I can't really ask for any more for anybody. There was one game that looked like you were going to win, breaking. It was here, <laughs> and then some diddy went and get sent off. <laughs> I knew this was coming. <laughs> I knew it was coming. Oh, uh, I was that. Uh, that stayed me for a while. Because um, you were so, I remember you were so comfortable in that game as well. Dumbarton never looked like being anywhere near in control of the game or getting back into it and then I think we was it 10 minutes to go or something you get sent off quite late on and the game kind of turned 19 minutes if you want the official <laughs> one <laughs> oh, was, yeah that one stayed with me for a while because I felt like, like that, that game was ours mm, like that yeah. was that was going to be our first three points and mm-hmm. a chance to real kick on and uh, well done Aaron <laughs> It must be it must be like we've obviously joked a wee bit about red cards and things like that, but it must be as a player like you go into the change room, especially after a game like that, and it must be so so difficult because you feel like you've let your teammates down and I'm not trying to lay this on you or trying to bring anything back, but it's something you can only learn from as a player, but I that feeling must just be horrible, like going into the change room after that. Yes, it's it really does stay away for a while, not just in the change room, but going home and stuff as well. You you feel like why why did you do that? You've but it, it's the heat of the moment as well at times, you know what I mean? It's, it could be a real heated game and it just takes that one mistake and it's hard because the boys have done so well and you're in control and it doesn't look like there's anything going to change to get beaten a game or something and then something like that happens and then it can change just like that. So it's, yeah, it definitely stays with you for a while. What positive memories do you have from that season? Because there was a lot of games, I know Brecon picked up I think four points in the league all season, but there was a lot of games that were pretty close. There was also, I think the first day of the season or first weekend, a 2-0 draw with Livingston, where Calvin Orsi scored twice. Yeah. Like that that doesn't happen very often, but games like that, you know, must be ones that you look back on pretty fondly. Yeah, definitely. That just shows that, that we were able to compete in that league and we did have a good side to play in that league and, and no one should be writing us off. So, yeah, looking back at games like that, it showed that we were... We should have been there, basically. Um, considering being a part-time team and a basically in a full full-time league, it was it was great for us to show that we can compete against these big teams. It's something that I think maybe Dumbarton fans, especially, don't understand fully is how difficult it is being part-time in a full-time league. <clears throat> and obviously, Suns had those seasons. What was it? Uh, he says off top of his six, seven seasons in the championship, where 
it became almost the norm that that was just a level Dumbarton played at and people, you know, fans maybe took it for granted. But talk to me about how difficult it is when you're going, you know, you're training twice a week, you're working full time away from football and then you're coming up against Dundee United, Livingston, you know, when you're all the time, Rangers, Hearts, Hibs. Like, it must be so, so difficult when you've got boys coming in from a day's work, maybe been up since six, seven in the morning and they're playing against folk who, have, you know, had their meals prepared for them, have had a physio session, been for a wee swim, something like that. It must be so tough. Yeah, definitely. Do you know what I mean? Boys put a lot, a lot of time and effort into what they do playing part-time football. It's, it's definitely not an, e- an easy thing. Sac- sacrificing their own personal time, family time. Do you know what I mean? But they do it because they love the club, they love the game. So it's you've got to take their hat off to these guys that that put so much into it, and it does. It takes a lot to be where we are, being part-time, and but you do it because you love it. I was going to say that, like, what what keeps you going? Because I sometimes look at it, especially at a kind of lower level, you know, like, would I? So when my brother was at Clyde Bank, like, training twice a week, he wasn't getting paid, so, like, training twice a week, giving up every Saturday, it's such a huge commitment. Like, is it just that love of the game that keeps you going? That I'll evidently, A, I'm not good enough to have, but B, just, like, I, I can't see myself doing it. Like, I'm just, I would just be knackered. Yeah, well, for a personal, coming from a personal point of view, it's, it's definitely for the love of the game. Do you know what I mean? I, I want to do well with football, and that's my number one priority, but it's part time so you need to work as well so but yeah you just you want to do it because you love doing it you want to put that effort in you want to make even like doing another a night or two nights a week yourself just to get that extra training in you well and and succeeding so yeah it's good how much of a sort of buzz do you get out of it like just seeing you know like you obviously became a real fans favourite like I think your family know the fans quite well now there's that sort of good relationship there but it must just be it must be like a buzz that we can sort of only dream of is like scoring and looking over into a busy stand and like I don't know seeing your mum your dad your missus whatever in the stand that must be a phenomenal feeling yeah, when I score I yeah, <laughs> well, you're quite prolific this yeah. season yeah. this season that would be nice I tell myself I, I fancy my chances this week but I mean, you can only keep believing yeah. but no this year it's I couldn't quite believe it two goals in the one season it's a post great goals as well I know I know it's another thing I didn't even expect that it's, I normally think it'd be a sort of deflection or a, a, a header or <laughs> something but yeah no I just felt like do you know what I mean if you don't shoot you don't score so <laughs> it's taken you this long in your career to realise that but now you've started doing it and you've realised you're actually not that bad at it I'm not bad, I. Eh? I'm not bad. <laughs> I mean, your shots to goals ratio must be really, really high as well. Because, like, I don't remember you shooting all that much other than the goals. Nah, nah, I'm not bad, to be honest. It's... <laughs> but, like, four shots, two goals. <laughs> Clinical. <laughs> the following season obviously wasn't a great one for Breakin either, but you did score your first career goal, which kind of nicely brings me on to that. Um, talk me through that, that 4 0 victory against Forfar. Uh, I've watched it. it. It wasn't as much of a screamer, shall we say, as the other ones that you've uh, that you've scored in your career. But yeah, that must have been a, a bit of a special moment to get that first career goal. Yeah, it was massive. And in that game as well, I, they had the chance to go nil up. I gave away a penalty in that game, so I was kind of like, oh shit, man. <laughs> here we go. But no, it was. Do you know what I mean? We done really well that day, and, and to score my first goal as well, and in a in a derby as well, it was it was brilliant. What are those Angus derbies like to play in? Because I, I think like Dumbarton don't really have a derby. There was obviously maybe like a wee bit of spice between the Stirling Albion games because of mm. where they are in the league, and they're not they're not that far away. But since you know the demise of Clyde Bank, and it's always been a kind of friendly rivalry between Dumbarton and Clyde Bank. There isn't really that rivalry, and I'm quite jealous of the Angus clubs having that. Yeah, it's good. There was a few. Do you know what I mean? Arbroath as well, and it's to score in a derby was it just felt even better. Do you know what I mean? And, for me, to, it took that long for me to score. It was brilliant. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. 
at the end of that season, um, Brecon obviously went down, and I think you moved on to Albion Rovers at the end of that time. Talk me through, I guess, first of all, the emotions of leaving Brecon. It had been a disappointing couple of years, but from all from everything I've read from their fans, when we did the SPFL article, well, what would it be, November, December time, we are, oh, this is really embarrassing, but I got asked to name my favourite player, which I find really cringy, <laughs> uh, especially because I have to talk to most of you on a weekly basis. And, I, and I'd gone conservative, like, well, you know, the, the fans, I would think, would say, would say Aaron Linus. Obviously, it's my deep internal thoughts as well. But yeah, talk me through leaving uh, leaving Brecon, because that must have been a bit of a wrench for you when you'd made good relationships with the fans, where you'd maybe been frustrated at how it ended with that relegation. Yeah, it was tough. Uh, they were The fans were great with me there as well, so you, you do have that bit of connection and... There's a bit of emotion in it as well, but do you know what I mean? If wherever you go next, you've you've kind of got to get your head down and, and fully focused on that. You still look out for breaking results and other teams you've been at in the past. Obviously, breaking have got a, a big game today as well. Yeah, it's it's massive then for today. Yeah, I do. To be fair, I do keep out and see how, how the other clubs are doing. So, but your your main focus is the, the team that you're at. So I'm fully committed to here. And you moved on to Albion Rovers. Um... I mean, I suppose actually the travelling aspect, Albion Rovers is, is closer to you as well than Breaking. I have in my head that the east is one place and the west <laughs> is one place and I kind of live in the middle, so everywhere's an hour away from me. But um, yeah, talk me through the move to Albion Rovers. What, why why Albion Rovers? Um, there was a few clubs that had, uh, that had been interested at the time, but I just felt like Albion Ro- Rovers was the the right choice for me at that time. So yeah, it was, it was good. How much did you enjoy playing there? Because like... I've always said, I think if you were to wipe Dumbarton off the map, just say Dumbarton didn't exist, I think Albion Rovers would probably be the club I would support if I could just pick one. I just like the feel about the place. I love Clifton Hill. You know, I've, I've always had a wee bit of a soft spot for them. They just seem like a really like close-knit community sort of club. Yeah, definitely. I'd say you've nailed it on the head there. They, were, they, they tried to do everything they could for you. It was it was a good club. The fans were, were great to you as well, and, and they did as much as they could to look after you. You obviously um, had played with Calvin Orsay at Brecon, like we touched on, but at Albion Rovers you would have played with Declan Byrne. So what was Declan Byrne? What were your first impressions of him as someone to play with? Um, because I think certainly this season he's transformed. Every time he's played, he's transformed the way Dumbarton play. Yeah, you know what you're getting with Declan. Do you know what I mean? He's he's very, very hard-working, great guy as well. So And actually, I'd already knew Declan previously because I played with him at Cowdenbeath all, all those years ago. So... Surely you knew you knew what you were going to get with Declan Byrne being up top. He's he's hard work and he can score goals. So, yeah, it was good. Your second season at Albion Rovers was obviously the COVID season, um, which I think me and Jack were kind of fortunate in that we were in the stadium for that because one of the few perks of being a journalist, aside from the really high salaries and the nice comments <laughs> you get from people on social media, are that you got into games over the COVID period. Uh, how strange was that? Like as a, it was really the only time that I got out, and you probably would have been similar. Like was to do something football related and then you're playing and it matters but there's nobody there. Yeah, it was it was quite strange because obviously the fans bring the atmosphere to the, to the game so hearing, I don't know, it was just the echo and hearing everyone, it's, it's a bit, it was a bit strange but no, we're still managing to play football and, and fortunate to get out to do that so yeah. They must have all felt like bounce games almost, is it hard to kind of get yourself up for games like that or is it still, uh, what's at stake? Y- yes and no, yeah no because do you know what I mean? You, you love the fans being there and, and supporting you and, and cheering you on, but and as well, it was kind of it was weird. It was just a, a strange, strange feeling. But no, it was good. We were still managing to play, so you're you're still determined to win the game. It's, I think it. The further we get away from it, the more I look back on it, and I just think that how bizarre everything mm. was. Like the first, so the first game being Chris did on commentary. Um, I was pretty much the first time I think certainly the first time in a long time that I'd been with somebody who was kind of out with 
immediate family. So I was like, bubble. like how how close are we allowed to get up here? Like, do we have to commentate in masks? Like, it was just really, really weird. And we had like um, we had our notes on this little stool. We were so so unprepared. And we played played Dunfermline in the first game. They had like a thousand odd fans trying to log into the stream. The whole thing crashed. It was just a complete disaster. But looking back at that season, like driving down completely empty motorways, and the only cars you would see or the only like vehicles you'd see would either be footballers or team buses. It's just a really bizarre, bizarre time. Yeah, sure. Just question what you are you allowed to do anything on day to day life. It was it was so so strange, like just weird, a weird weird time. Hopefully we never experience anything like that again. Give you my um, my best football in COVID memory because that wasn't a great season for Suns. They didn't score very many goals, but um, you might remember this up at Cove. Dumbarton lost one 0 and my brother ran the GoPro behind the goal at the time, and uh, the winning goal wasn't over the line. And Jim Duffy had done his post match and he said to us, "Was it over the line?" And I was like, "No, I've seen the video." And my brother came round and showed him the video. And Jim Duffy marched across to Cobra using like a toilet inside the stands as the referee's changing room. And Jim Duffy marched across. There was obviously nobody there apart from me, my brother. You might have been there. And I, I think wasn't that cool. You weren't there. Yeah. So it would have been me, my brother, and probably Graham Roberts in the programme editor. Jim Duffy opened the door of the toilets and the refs just stood there in his pants. <laughs> <laughs> and he just like Duffy didn't flinch he just started being like I've seen it and it's not even close to <laughs> but the refs just stood there in his pants like completely exposed it had been snowing that day as well so it was like, particularly cold it was one of the most bizarre sort of things that you would never get to see certainly as a journalist you might get to see it in the changing room theory. maybe a manager goes and like knocks on the ref's door or whatever but like it was like the whole internal world of football was just brought out and yeah that's that's my footballing memory of COVID. Some poor ref stood in his pants at Cove with Jim Duffy having a go at him. <laughs> Which, yeah, that was um, that was a really strange time. Uh, obviously, you you became Albion Rovers captain during your time there. Quite a young age, first of all, for a captain. But obviously, Albion Rovers have always had quite a young team. But how much of an honour was it to be given the armband? Yeah, it was a massive honour and privilege. Do you know, mate, to be at that, at, that at, any, at any club for the manager to put his, his trust in you and, and give that armband. So it was... It was uh, a real proud moment for me and my family. Had you been captain anywhere before, even like you know playing boys club youth football, anything like that? Had you ever been a captain before? Uh, yeah, in my youth days at Cowdenbeath, I was a the captain there as well. But obviously, being professional and, and having that opportunity, it was it was amazing. Do you think because we'd spoken about it as well that there's like captains without an armband? We'd spoken actually in the podcast when you listen to the whole thing back, which I obviously <laughs> know that you will and do on a monthly basis. But when you listen to the whole thing back, we'd spoken about leaders in the back four, mentioned you, and we mentioned Peter Grant. Do you think that was always something that you had, like a wee bit of you know a wee bit of material in your arm? Doesn't really make a difference because like for me, I look at you on the pitch, I'm like, I leader Peter Grant, leader mm. doesn't have an armband on, but like just leading by example. Yeah, you just you want to do everything you can to to help the boys out and. Whatever that I'll take, I'll, I'll do that. So, whether it's the, the armband or not, I'll, I'll still do the same things. Now, obviously, uh, when you left Albion Rovers, you moved to Dumbarton, and I remember talking to you on the phone about a week after you signed or something like that, and you said basically your aim was to come here and to challenge for the league. How do you look back on this season? Because it's been, well, when the manager said last week, basically three weeks three weeks or three games has, has killed Dumbarton's season after it's been so, so positive for such large spells, but then just that three game spell where, I mean, there was barely any bodies on the bench, the guys that are playing are dead in their feet, and that just sort of killed it. Yeah, it's it frustrating, do you know what I mean? You, you want to come in and you want to win the league, but promotion's your, your main aim, so it was, those couple of weeks, it was really, really frustrating. Injuries happened, do you know what I mean? You just need to deal with that and, and get on with it. That's football, so the boys that are on the park just need to get everything they can, and, and they have done. The boys give absolutely everything week in, week out to, to, to do well for 
ourselves to do well for the club and, and to do well for the fans. So I don't think you could ask much more. It feels like there's almost been a reset as well. Like I'd, I'd always worried to see if the two clubs, if Dumbarton and Stirling and Albion, went into the last game of the season and one team was, you know, like Breaking are doing today, but mm. like one team was going to be the champions, the other one would be in the playoffs. And if it went down to the last day, that whoever finished second, there would be a massive low going into the playoffs. But it almost feels like that low has happened earlier and it's maybe given time for a reset, like two clean sheets in the bounds prior to today, two good performances on the bounds. Do you think that is something that's maybe, there's been a wee bit of a reset and now Suns are ready to go into the playoffs and actually make the best of that? Yeah, it, it could well be. Um, do you know what I mean? The boys are, the boys have all got that attitude that we're going in to win every game and, and put on a performance and and give everything that we can. So, and for me, the boys have done that week in week out. There's there's not been a game where you feel like oh they've threw the towel on. It's, it's definitely not been the case. The boys do everything they can and and give everything they can. You're obviously part of the defence that set a new club record for clean sheets. And although we've given Brett Long and Harry Brown a lot of sort of praise for that, because I guess clean sheets, you instantly think of goalkeepers. But you've been part of the defence. You played every game this season apart from one at Albion Rovers away. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, how proud are you of that record? And also, what's what's been the key to that? Uh, I, I just feel like that from day one, we've just gelled really, really well, really, really quickly. And, and that's, me, that's been a massive, massive key to that. But don't get me wrong, it's Brett... Harry, all the back four, myself, Bucky, Carsey, McNiff and Granty, we've all like that's what we're there to do. It's it's our job to stop to stop goals going in. So yeah, it's a it's a great achievement for myself and the team. You think having that consistent kind of back five for much of the season with yourself and Bucky and Carsey and McNiff, which was for most of the season until injuries and stuff happened, that kind of had a, a big part in it as well. Yeah, we knew. Do you know what I mean? You know, you know how each and everybody's game. You know how we play and and what we're good at and what other boys are good at so yeah for for me having that consistency it's, it's definitely played a big part in it now we get to the part of the podcast that everyone's actually listening for they don't want to hear our chat about you know you playing for breaking they don't want to hear our chat <laughs> looking back in the last six weeks they want they want me to ask this question Aaron Linus where will you be playing your football for the next two seasons I'll be here at Dumbarton and I'm absolutely delighted how pleased are you to get that deal over the line yeah massively do you know what I mean I just wanted to come in here and and obviously work hard and try and get into the team first and foremost and I feel like it's been a good season on a, a personal a personal level and a team level so yeah for to be here the next two years um, it's, I'm absolutely delighted. Is that an easy one for you or was that interest from elsewhere? Uh, no, do you know what I mean? I was purely just focused on being successful here and hopefully the gaffer uh, liked what he's seen and made sure he didn't make a mistake and bring him in basically <laughs> so no, I just did repay back the gaffer and, and him show his trust in me and, and give me that it was that was all kind of really interested in that's when you're supposed to go now you know Celtic and Rangers were sniffing about <laughs> but it just you know it'd be a bit of a hassle and like being on the back page of the record every week and things like that it's just it's not really worth it so I just thought you know I'd, I'd far rather play here that's that's the line that we were expecting from you then yeah. just you know for, for future reference <laughs> no to me since I've came in for the old everyone's been great with me and the fans everyone yourselves the, the backroom staff and everyone involved in the club have been great with me and it made me feel really welcoming at home, so yeah, um, um, it was a no-brainer for me, really. It must be nice in part-time football, especially to have that sorted before the summer. You're not, you know, worrying about a deal or not having to think about things that you can. Whenever the season ends, you can just have a break from football for a wee bit, you know, go away, have a holiday or whatever, and then come back and you know where you're going to be playing your football. You know, realistically, a lot of the guys who are going to be sticking around, I think you're the ninth signed up for the season, so like you know, it's going to be a, a very similar squad to last year. That sort of consistency 
for Dumbarton especially, is something that Sons have lacked in recent years. Yeah, a lot of all the boys that have signed so far, it's they've been great additions this year, and I'm, I know they'll be the same next year as well. So, yeah, just to be sorted for the next two seasons is is great, and as you said, you can go and relax and kind of not stress about it and enjoy the time off. How difficult can that be over a summer? I mean, I don't know what position you've been in exactly in your career, but like you know, when you've not got a deal lined up for a new season, that must be a kind of weird and horrible time where you don't know where you're going to be playing your football, you don't know what level you're going to be playing at. Yeah, you just you kind of it does play on your mind a bit. You you want to make sure you're making the right decision and it's not going to dwell uh, for too long. You want to be known, right? Yeah, this is what I'm going to be doing. This is where I'm going to be playing and, and purely focus on that. So yeah, it it can be a, a stressful time, but. Uh, for me this year that's, that's, that's not going to be the case and I think we're all absolutely delighted about that one not that we can see because that's embarrassing <laughs> so uh, that's Linus signed up another 6 out of 10 performance of the week <laughs> fed up with that anyway uh, I like to always start, uh, finish these podcasts off with a kind of curveball of a question um, and I've asked like Stevie Farrell for example like what player he would compare himself to when he was in the current squad and things like that but for you I'd like to know given the sort of player that you are who do you think the most underrated player is that you've played with right throughout your career I like putting players on the spot with these sort of things. Good question. You always get that puff of the cheeks in there when you answer. <laughs> Trademark. <laughs> you just call it quits on the interview here if you want. <laughs> um, I don't know, there's, there's been a few, a few. I'm just trying to think. I'll tell you a wee story while you think. So, uh, over lockdown, when we didn't have match reports in the paper, I sent out like a few players that I knew. I was like, could you come up with like a dream team? You know, like the guys you played with, goalkeeper, back four, midfield four and two up front. And everyone that I sent it out to did it and came back and it was all really interesting. One guy that I know, and I won't name him, but he knows who he is, and he might be listening. Uh, one guy came back and was like, nah, I've got too many pals in football, and if I pick 11 of them, then some of them won't actually talk to me. Like, they'll take it quite personally. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, everyone else was like, some some guys came back with them, like, I know, or like, ah, there's, there's mine. Like, Morgan Neal WhatsApp me his quite quickly. Um, like, no doubt at all about he it. He had it ready. And, yeah, I, he was just waiting for yeah. that question to be asked. He reads his Linux Herald, and he saw that other players were asking. He's like, it's only a matter of time. Uh, but one guy came back to me and was just like, nah, nah, I'd, I'd follow it with my pals. They take it quite seriously. So that's the sort of pressure I'm putting on you now, that if you miss out somebody, you're going to get a text going like, here, Adam, why did you not mention me for the most underrated player? Ah, I'll go with that answer, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can't, believe, can't believe you'd cop out of this. <laughs> now, who's the most overrated player? No, Adam. <laughs> we'll turn the microphones off and we'll ask you that one. But no, Adam, thank you very much for your time. And uh, I'll see you next season and the season after that on this podcast and you can have a good, long, hard think about the most underrated player. You should yeah. have just said Ryan Blair. That's, that's what <laughs> me and Jack said. Easy like, answer. Yeah. Hey, Ryan Blair's the easy answer. But no, thank you very much for your time and uh, hi, good luck for the rest of the season and for the playoffs. No, that's great. Thanks very much for having me. Thank you.